Good morning and thanks for listening to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. I want to talk to you today about the weight of glory. Recently, I did a podcast on bearing up under the impossible weight of the glory of God. The title was something along those lines. And today I want to talk to you about the tangible reality of the glory of the Lord. Not just defining the glory, but opening yourself up to experiencing the presence and the power of God. The presence and power that goes beyond mere principles. It comes solely by grace. It doesn't come because of all that you give, but when it comes, you will give everything. And I today want to encourage you to open your heart to an awareness that God wants to meet you right where you are. And so, Lord, I say today, Lord Jesus, a heavenly King, O Comforter, Spirit of Truth, everywhere present and filling all things, treasury of blessing, giver of life, come and abide in us. Find in this radio listening audience today hearts open to all that you have for us and all that you are to us and all you desire to be in and through us. God, we say yes to all of you in all of us. Lord, I pray that you would find in us a willingness to bear up under the weight of the glory of your presence. Lord, as we realize that your hand is upon us, let your hand rest upon us in a tangible way, blurring the line between the realm of the spirit and the realm of the flesh. Today, God, may we experience something that goes beyond our ability to describe in words. Lord, a a revival and awakening, a renewal and awareness of your presence, your goodness uh, that resets us and brings us back to a a love and an affection and adoration of you, the holiness of your love. We celebrate the holiness of your love. We tremble at the holiness of your love, O God. Gracious King, O Comforter, abide upon us, within us, with us. Lord, teach us to be led. Teach us to be more concerned with following your voice than leading others by our own. God, I pray today that you give us a fresh awareness of your glory. In Jesus' name. Well, if you take your Bibles uh, with me today, and I would like you to just simply go with me to one verse, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23, which simply says, and I want you just to write this down, underline it in your Bible. An old covenant prophet, Jeremiah, God spoke to him and said, am I a God who is near, yet not a God far off? Can you hide where I don't see you? Do I not fill heaven and earth? read that again. God says, am I a God who is near and not a God far off? Can you hide where I don't see you? Do I not fill heaven and earth? We live because God allows us to. In him, the Bible says we live and move and have our being. Paul said in Colossians 3, Christ is all and in all. In Colossians 1, he says he fills all things. In him, all things consist. He holds all things together. He is before all things. In John chapter 1 said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 
and was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him without him nothing was made that is made and in him is life and that life is a light of men and that light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it John goes on to say that they were witnesses to that light and what he's talking about is an awareness of the presence the reality of God many times today we have arguments about theology and people talk about theology or they talk about the awareness, the presence of God, the awareness of the existence of God. But what we need in our nation today is a theophany and that is an awareness of, of the glory of, of God. The existence of God is one thing. Arguing his existence is one thing, but having an encounter with his glory, having an encounter with his person, to meet him is another thing entirely. It's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. It's a difference between knowing about the Holy Spirit and having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. To become aware of the reality of his existence, the reality of his personhood, is to open yourself up to the essence of that existence. What do I mean by that? Well, the glory of God is mentioned over 140 times in the Old Testament. It's, it's uh, it's a weighty awareness of the essence of God. It's the goodness of God on display. I've defined this on this broadcast many, many times before. And I'll go through that definition yet again. But there is a weight to the glory of God. There is a tangible substance to the glory of God. The glory of God shows up in the, in the Old Testament often as a cloud a physical manifest presence of the, like a cloud. The cloud is not God. It is the essence of what happens when the line between the spiritual realm and the physical realm is blurred. There's something that happens in the physical realm that gives, gives us a glimpse, just a glimpse, a hint to what is beyond the realm of the seen and into the realm of the unseen. But I want you to think of the glory, the weight of the glory, kind of like this. Picture the hand of God over us, hovering over us, as if God has his hand stretched out to us. And he's there. He's not distant. He's not separate. He's not far from us. We are, we are united, walking in union with him. His hand is upon us, over us. There's a, there's a hovering presence of his spirit that is, is able to be perceived by anybody who has ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to respond. But then there comes a moment where it's almost as if that hand weighs down on you. Now think of it like this. Think of it like, a, like, like clay and a potter's hand. When the glory enters into the room, it's not like God wasn't there and then he shows up. We use that in, in terms of an analogy as if he was away from us and now he's here. No, he's, he's always holding everything together. On a subatomic level, he's literally holding every atom together. But there are moments in time in both the Old and the New Covenant where the tangible awareness of the presence of God becomes so real, it's almost like a blanket resting upon a room. There's a heavy weightiness to it. There's something about the weight of the, the, the awareness of the essence of God that causes us to be more aware of the presence we have, have been living in than we were before. I think of it in Acts chapter 10 where uh, Peter is preaching to Gentiles. Cornelius' house church is gathered together. And as Peter is preaching, in the middle of while he's talking, 
about Jesus and sharing the gospel. It says the Holy Spirit fell on all who were there. And the analogy of the Holy Spirit falling on people is a way for us within the context of time and space, a spatial physical existence, to recognize that something that was within reach came in contact with us in a way where it's it's almost pushing down upon us. And you'd say, well, that sounds really uncomfortable. But there's something about the weight of the glory of God that brings us into a place of not just a heart posture of surrender, but even a physical posture of surrender. I think of talking to dear friends of ours, John and Tiffany Matthews at the gate in Charlotte, North Carolina, a beautiful church, wonderful people who have have an environment that is has been conducive to the out, outbreaks of the Spirit of God for years. Non-religious environment. By that I mean, you know, these are the kind of people who just love to laugh in the presence of the Lord, love to enjoy the presence of the Lord. They're just a joy to be with and just a lot of fun to be around. And, uh, and yet on November 6th of last year, there was a prayer gathering right before a service. And as John said, the weight of the glory of the Lord tangibly fell upon the room to the point where much of the staff couldn't get up off the floor. They had to go out and tell the church, um, we, we can't start, we're having a hard time starting, starting service today because people are pinned to the floor and they couldn't get up. John said it was, you, you couldn't physically fight against it to the point where you could actually get up off the floor for, for quite some time. As the hunger in people's hearts to experience, not just, you know, like, well, I just want to experience that kind of, that's not even the point here. The hunger in people's hearts to just, to have a tangible encounter with the glory of God. As, as if you're saying to God, I am pliable to be shaped by your hand and I am movable to be directed by your voice. It's like, a, it's like a lump of clay saying to a potter, whatever shape I'm in right now, if there's any part of me that you want to touch, reshape, and mold, I give you full access and full room to do that. I think of the analogy that's often been used of, of when we talk about things like hosting the presence of God or making room for the presence of God in our lives. Think about having house guests in, in your home. And a house guest in your house that's just coming for the weekend, you make some adjustments, but you make a place in the house that welcomes them. But the rest of the house, you close off because, you know, there's maybe some rooms you don't want to clean up and some rooms that still have some repairs left to be done and, and things, you know, projects you want to set aside and you shove things under the bed and in cabinets and in drawers and whatnot. And, and you close doors to rooms that you don't want that temporary weekend house guest to, to see into. And it's just sort of a standard rule. Everybody understands you just don't go beyond the closed doors. And you you realize that because you're only hosting them in your home for a short amount of time, you make temporary adjustments to make them as comfortable as possible while they're there with the expectation that they're not going to stay. And and what if, though, you were having somebody come and live with you? In other words, you were actually giving ownership of the house to somebody else, and you were going to live in their house. And now you begin to be aware that everything in this house actually now belongs to them. And everything in this house is open to them. What would you get rid of in the house? 
What would you change in the house? What would you rearrange in the house? How would it alter the way you do life? It's the difference between inviting a visitation of the Lord and the habitation of the Lord, being the habitation of the Lord, where you're a guest in his house. So what's the benefit of that? If it's your house, the devil comes knocking on your door. You answer the door and man, he can wreak havoc in your life. But when Jesus owns the house and when this habitation means that you're a guest in his home, Now he's making room for you instead of you making room for him. And there's no door that's closed to him. He has access to everything. And it's a total life of vulnerable transparency before God. Now when the devil comes knocking on your door, it's not you going to the door to answer it. It's Jesus. And and Jesus saying, you know, you can't get to my son, my daughter, because you got to go through me. It's my house. It's not theirs. It's my house. And you're on my yard and on my, you know, we know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And so we have an awareness of, of the overarching presence of God that holds everything together. But there are places within all of the covenantal systems that we have that give man a framework of relationship between him and God. There's places within all of those systems where at a specific moment of time, in a specific geographical location, there becomes a concentrated awareness of the glory of God that rests upon a people, that descends into a room. And we can become overly concerned with, well, got to make the physical room ready. We got to God can, listen, I want you to understand this. And this is just me being a grace guy. I am fully convinced that God is willing to show up anywhere he wants to. And we'll make demands and, and everything for him. But if he comes at our demands and if he shows up the way we want him to, and if we, if he shows up because we did all the right things and we did A, B, and C, and so we can get him to show up and D is the goal. And, and we did the, we did all the things and we will formulize a methodology for getting the glory to actually show up. In other words, we become more interested in the essence of the weightiness of that glory than we are in love with the person of Jesus Christ who holds us together just because he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. I I, always want to keep my ears open for the voice of the Lord at any moment, knowing that because there's no distance or separation, he doesn't have to send me a letter or travel around around the universe to come and find me. My ears always open to him because he is living within, upon, surrounding me. Even doing this podcast, I can feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit just move in this moment. But what I believe is that there is an area of our heart that's needing a place of surrender, to find a bended knee, a face-down posture that basically reminds us that we don't stand on our own two feet, independent and apart from God, that we live in a complete 100% posture of surrender before the Lord, that we've given up trying to do this thing on our own works and on our own merit, that we've been given up trying to work to get God to show up. We just move from work to welcome. And uh, how interesting, I want to just kind of like take a little detour here into a place of fresh insight and revelation that 
It could perhaps become become a longer sermon, a longer message, longer series. I was talking to a youth pastor at a church in Indiana here last night. And we were talking about how he perceived that m- many of the people in his youth group, young people, are having a hard time with adversity in their lives and how they ha- have a difficult time handling adversity in their lives. And um, he, he came out of a military background. Now he's a football coach and uh, coaches in, in high school at a high school level. And he, and he said, I, I just don't know how much challenge to give these people because he said, on one hand, you feel like they're under-challenged. On the other hand, it's feel like it's a, if, I, if I challenge them too much, they'll walk away. And I said, well, I was kind of talking this out with him. And I just asked him a question. I said, well, you know, you, you run football teams, right? So you, you have to deal with kids in the gym. So I'm sure you don't put everybody on the exact same weight training process, right? And, uh, and he says, no, no, of course not. You know, you got a guy coming in, he's a natural linebacker and he's, you know, running 200 pounds, you know, 250 pounds, you know, you put him on a different, different weight training process than the guy that comes in, he's 130 pounds and, and, uh, just getting started lifting weights. You know, the one guy you actually give real weight, the other guy, you give him a bar, you know, and with no weight on it at all. So he goes, what you actually do, he says, you, what you're thinking of is you're thinking of the whole person. I want you to watch this with me. Catch this with me because I'm talking about living a lifestyle here of of exercising, uh, uh, exercising in a sense, that ear to hear the voice of God, that heart to respond to do whatever he says to do. A lot of times we won't do it because we feel like he's going to put something on us that we can't handle. But a good coach, like my friend, says what you do is he says you find... You find a safe amount of weight that will build muscle but won't destroy joints. He says, because what you're looking at is long-term movement and long-term health. And he said, you know, if you overload uh, some of these people, he says, you overload them. He says, you'll get incredible gains very in a very short amount of time. He says, but pretty soon, a very short amount of time, you'll also destroy their joints and their ability to move will be severely hindered and they'll walk with pain. And he goes, you know, but that's not even the, the worst problem. He said, the worst problem is the fact that most people when come into the gym. Now, listen to this. I thought this was so insightful. He said, most people, when they come into the gym, they ego lift. I said, well, I've never heard that term before. What is that? And he says, when you're lifting for everybody else around you, you're not lifting to build anything. You're lifting to impress the people around you. And so you'll pile on more weight than you can actually handle. See if you can actually do it to impress the people around you. And he says, and so we call it ego lifting. And he said, it's a, it's a problem because people end up really getting themselves injured and they can actually have tremendous setbacks when they ego lift. And suddenly God spoke to my heart and said, he's given you a lesson in discipleship here. This is what it means to literally host the presence of God and, and to, to, to carry the weight of the glory of the Lord. And that is that we don't, we don't go, God, crush me with your weight. That's ego lifting. Disciples don't ego lift. Disciples are concerned with the entire body, not just building muscle. They're concerned with protecting the ability to move the joints. They're concerned with basically doing things that actually exercise their ability to increase in strength so they can go longer and farther and faster and better than ever before and not destroy their ability to move. And the way you destroy your ability to move is that you lift or you carry weight in the sight of everybody else and as much weight as you possibly can carry. And so we'll have people that will go on like, 
You start with a seven-day fast, 21-day fast, 40-day fast, 60-day crazy fast, lifestyle of I fast every other day. And pretty soon, you, next thing you know, you, know, you understand what God said about, Jesus said about fasting. It's like, when you fast and you let everybody else know around that, you, that you're fasting, you already have your reward. In other words, you, you've been ego-lifting. In other words, you, you've been coming up with ideas to impress God with your ability to hear his voice, like, like crush me with the weight of your glory. That's ego lifting. And God's not going to respond to that. God, look how holy I've been. I've, 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 uh, uh, I've thrown away all my old DVDs. I've canceled my Netflix subscriptions. I've, I, I, I don't even watch TV anymore. I'm, I'm only listening to Christian music and worship music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You tell everybody else around. And sometimes it's, okay, it's a hunger for God that pursue the pursuit of the Lord that causes you to, to clean the issues out in your life. I get that. But a lot of times we let everybody else around us know what we're doing for God. And it's not anything more than ego lifting. And you know, the problem with that is that when God doesn't respond the way you want him to and starts touching other people's lives, then you all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're out of joint. You can't move like you used to move. And even if God did come to you and ask you to do something, you've injured yourself with your own ego lifting. And uh, disciples don't ego lift. Disciples know what it means to say, God, I am open to whatever you're asking me to do, whatever you're calling me to do. God, let the let the hand of of the glory of your presence rest upon and shape and mold me. And I don't care if anybody else knows uh, that 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 I'm even feeling it. You know, it's this is not an issue of an ego lift. This is an issue of you and me encountering each other in that place of intimacy. Intimacy is where you become aware of that union that you have with the Lord. Intimacy is where you you know there's no distance or separation between you and Jesus. You know that, that God has a name and his name is Jesus and his Holy Spirit has taken residence up in you and it's not just a visitation where you shut some of the doors of your life and your heart to him and you're only preparing for an, a weekend encounter and then he's gone. No, you, you've invited him to come in and take over your life. You've taken the title deed to the house of your life, your existence, your goals, your priorities, and you've signed it away and signed it over to him. You've given your body to him as a living sacrifice. So when he wants to redirect your steps and, and open your mouth to speak words that release his glory and his goodness into somebody else's life, you're willing to do it. You just live as a surrendered vessel to carry the weight of glory that you so desire to give away to somebody else. Authentic disciples have heart to carry the glory, but they don't ego lift because they're done with the works of their own efforts to try to impress God with how much they can carry. And see what the glory of God does in our lives is it empowers us to impact society and the world around us. Sons and daughters out there who are uh, uh, disenfranchised, disillusioned, deconstructed, and and feel disposable to a church that is is looking for celebrities instead of looking for Jesus, instead of finding Christ in us, the hope of glory to be all in all and more than enough. 
We're looking for the next big name, big voice, big speaker, celebrity selfie that we can feel in a sense like if we can get closer to somebody who's attained a little bit more in the holiness of God than us, then uh, then we've arrived. But the reality is the King of Kings has made you his throne room. You have the same exact Holy Spirit as your favorite prophet, you guys. And you are built, I'm just, just trying to convince you that you're built to carry the glory of God. You don't have to observe it on somebody else's life. You can experience it for yourself. And it's just saying to the Holy Spirit, I'm ready, I'm willing, and I'm able. And whatever you want to do to press into my life, to shape, mold me, reform me, transform me, I say yes to all of it. Saying yes to Jesus is really what makes you a disciple. So I want to finish with a definition of the glory of God that I've been giving for many, many years. And it just simply goes like this. Moses goes to the mountain and he goes and spends time in the presence of the Lord. And he asks God, would you show me your glory? And God says, his response is, I will make all of my goodness to pass before you. God puts just a fraction of his presence on display. And it's that goodness, he says, is what defines the glory of God. The kind of glory of God is the goodness of God on display. A glimpse of the goodness of God is all that Moses needs to come down from the mountain. He's literally glowing and shining. They have to put a sheet over him to actually have a conversation with him. You know, the Bible goes on to say, Isaiah says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And we think, of course, that's a messianic prophecy about Jesus. But 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. In, in John, he says, in John 17, he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. Or excuse me, in John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, I send you. You and I live as a representation of Christ. That's why the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's Jesus, but Jesus is the light of the world. Then he turns to you and says, you're the light of the world. It goes on to say in Isaiah 60, Behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, but the glory of God will rise upon you. Kings will stream to the brightness of your rising. In other words, the nations will look at the glory of God. They're looking for the goodness of God upon the people of God. And that goodness is so filled with love that it actually calls forth the treasure that's hidden within people made in the image of God. But there's a distance between the image and the likeness, and that gap is bridged when a person says yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in and shapes your life, reform, transforming you into a a, a metamorphosis of old things are passed away, all things have become new, and now you and I can live as carriers of the glory of God, as Jesus called us, light of the world. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think according to the power at work within you, to him be glory in the church. So when he came to take up residence in you, he brought his glory with him, and you carry the glory of God. And so I would ask the Lord, Lord, let the weightiness of the glory of your presence rest upon my life so that when I encounter people, I'll put your goodness on display and that they will see your glory and broken bodies will be healed, broken lives will be touched, broken marriages will be restored and and broken people will be brought back together 
in Jesus' name. And maybe today as you're listening to this, you're feeling that, in a sense, a weightiness, the tangible weight of the glory of the Lord. I'm praying that all over the world today and in the days ahead that we will experience more encounters with the weighty presence of the glory of God upon our churches and upon our lives. I've come to the end of my time today, and as always, I want to give you a chance to write to us. If you want to write an old-fashioned letter to us, you can do so by writing to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. The address, once again, Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. You know, if this broadcast is a blessing to you and you say, I want to support what you're doing, what you're talking about, I see where God's taking you guys, and I'm just wanting to keep uh, keep you guys fueled up to, to go out and do what you're called to do. Listen, we don't do this for money, but it takes finances to get it done, and God's always faithful to take care of us and through through many partners that are listening to this today, and, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you. You can uh, support the ministry by going to VanderbushMinistries.com and click the Give button. It's the oldest website on the internet, I'm convinced, but it still works, and we're so grateful for it. VanderbushMinistries.com. Just click the Give button. You can also go to BillVanderbush.com. There's a page there you can give to as well. It all goes to the same place. Listen, we're so grateful for every one of you. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. And and if you look at the schedule page at BillVanderbush.com, you'll see uh, that we have a lot of dates coming up this year. And hopefully, if we're going to be in your area, please come out and join us. We're believing that this year, God is going to visit our meetings and our gatherings with a tangible weight of the glory of the Lord that will rest upon people in a way that they'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. So grateful for all of you today. This is Bill Vanderbush from Tracy, myself, from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.